Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, November 13th, 2022, offered at the Episcopal Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the Episcopal Church, when you are ordained to ministry, either as a deacon or a priest, One of the first things that happens after the laying on of hands is someone puts a stole on you. So if you're a deacon, they put a stole on you that goes across your chest. And if you're a priest, they put a stole on you that goes around your neck. That's a symbol of the ordained ministry that you have just received. And then the next thing that happens is that the bishop hands you a Bible. And when they hand the Bible to the new priest, what they say is this Bible is a sign of your authority to preach the word of God and to administer the sacraments. And then they have somewhat ominous words after that that says, do not forget the trust committed to you as a priest. Now, what typically happens in the Episcopal Church, if you are in ordained ministry, is you ordain first a deacon. And so you get this Bible with slightly different words to it. And then you have the responsibility of keeping up with the Bible to bring back to your next ordination service as a priest, where then it is presented to you again by your bishop. Um, I had to keep up with mine for nine years because it was nine years between when I was ordained a deacon and then was ordained a priest. And while it's not very well worn, I will admit the typeface in this Bible is quite small. Um, And so it is not my go-to Bible that I use every day. That's much more well worn and sitting on my desk. But I hold on to this as a sign of what the promises I made at my ordination were. Now, most Episcopalians, right, when we think of the Episcopal Church, um, folks often associate us with the Book of Common Prayer, right, that we have used for this service. But we also are a people of the Bible. It is a big part of our tradition and who we understand ourselves to be. The opening prayer that we heard this morning where it says the collect for the day, right? That prayer that we say at the beginning of the service that changes each uh, Sunday. This prayer this morning was actually written by Thomas Cramner for the first prayer book in 1549. Thomas Cramner is the Archbishop of Canterbury that gives us and is responsible for sort of our shared tradition of common prayer and the fact that we are united as a Christian tradition around how we pray. And so when Cramner writes this prayer, he is speaking to a problem that he saw in the medieval church that he wanted to correct in his prayer book. The first issue was that then worship and scripture only happened in Latin, which was a language that very few people in England could understand, let alone read. 
Second, the problem that Cramner saw was that the church year had been crowded with so many celebrations of saint days and special observances that the schedule of readings of scripture was interrupted. So the result was is that you might start, you know, the book of Isaiah in Advent, but never finish hearing that book because it would be so interrupted. And because people could only hear scripture in church because it was in Latin that they could not read nor they could not own their own Bibles at home, this disruptive pattern of scripture meant that the people and the clergy never heard the whole story from the Bible. Cramner thought that that was a problem. And so when he created his prayer book in English, right, he required that the scripture and the prayers be in the English language that people could understand. And in his prayer book, the first thing that he did was include a schedule of readings where the whole Bible would be read through the course of a year. Today, we are the inheritors of Cramner's work, right? As part of the Anglican communion, the Episcopal Church continues in the tradition of our English reformers. And so we have continued to follow Cramner's guidance by updating our language, right? So if you look at the prayer book, you see we have Rite 1 services, which is much more traditional language. But in the 70s, we updated that language to what we call Rite 2, right? So this is language that's much closer to the English that we speak today. When you look at the prayers in our Book of Common Prayer, you will also see that in addition to the schedule of scripture readings in church, that so much of what we pray also comes directly from scripture. Now over time, we've developed a new calendar of scripture readings. If you come to church every Sunday on all major celebrations, which I hope you do, you will hear most of the Bible over the course of three years. These readings are arranged to match the liturgical season of the church. And so together with our prayer book, with our schedule of readings, with our liturgical calendar that's set on sort of this understanding of God's time, we are offered the whole story of salvation through our worship and are invited to read, mark, and inwardly digest the story. It's important to have the whole story, particularly when we encounter scary passages like we hear in this morning's gospel. Jesus has entered Jerusalem. We are towards the end of the story of Jesus's life here on earth. And as he is walking through the beautiful temple, he looks around and says that soon this temple will be torn down. He then goes on to talk about wars and persecution and earthquakes and famine. There has been a long tradition in the Christian church to read passages like this in isolation. People turn to these passages as standalone prophecies to try to identify the who, what, when, and where of the end of the world. It's often used to scare people into doing certain actions. But this passage is not an invitation to discern the details of the end of the world. Instead, this passage gives us instructions on how we as faithful Christians should respond to times of upheaval. 
terrible things have happened in the world and to the people of God. Jesus knows this. We know this. And we know that terrible things will happen again in the future. When we look to the story of Scripture and see time and time again how God is faithful to the people in these times, we know that we can trust that God's faithfulness will continue. It's because we know the whole story of God's faithfulness that we can hear Jesus' words amidst all these scary passages when uh, Jesus says, do not be terrified. We can hear that and believe that and let ourselves not be afraid. Jesus tells us that in these times of turmoil, people will be eager for a leader. And false leaders will show up claiming to be Christians, claiming to, to have to know the way forward and will lead people astray. We'll be able to tell that they are false leaders because they will claim to see signs that the time is near. They will speak confidently about what is unknowable. But Jesus says that those faithful Christians in these difficult times... We will know them because we will see them waiting, testifying, and enduring what is to come. Now this can be frustrating. We may feel passive and weak, but we are not called to prepare our own defense or to make our own plans in these moments. Instead, it is Christ that will give us the words and wisdom that cannot be contradicted. And because... We know the whole story. We know that the ministry of Jesus was to be present with humanity, to love, to heal, and to feed people. And we know that Jesus endured suffering and death on the cross and that now death is no more. Jesus invites all of his followers to join in his ministry, in his priesthood. We have been baptized in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We as Christians are called to be present to our communities to offer love and healing and feeding and comfort. We are called to endure the suffering of this world because we know that death is an end, but it's not the end of God's story. To prepare us for this ministry of waiting, testifying, and enduring, We have the gift of Holy Scriptures. Through reading, hearing, studying Scripture, we can hold fast to the hope of everlasting life. The Bible, the story of God and God's people, shapes us and forms us for ministry. Knowing the whole story gives us the grace to resist the anxiety of the world and of the false leaders offering the shallow hope of certainty. 500 years ago, when Thomas Cramner began his reforming work to write our shared prayers in English and to find a pattern to read the whole story of God, he did so because he believed that regularly encountering the story of God would shape and guide us in living godly lives. Holy Scripture gives us the words and wisdom that can transform us and the world. It is by this regular reading and hearing of Scripture that we are filled with the love of God, that we are prepared to testify to the truth of God's salvation, and that we can stand against the adversaries of truth.
So, Thomas Cramner was right. We need to hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest all holy scriptures so that we can embrace and hold fast to the blessed hope of salvation in Christ. Amen.